Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into the bank. We're back. Joined as always by my colleagues, Jimmy Seek, Mike Randall. We'll get to them in one second. First, a word from our sponsor, Mercer Carpet and Home, uh, excuse me, Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. They're a third generation family business established in 1959. They're located on Main Street in beautiful, historic downtown Westminster. They're the oldest floor covering store in Carroll County and one of Maryland's longest running floor businesses. For all your flooring needs, Pink Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. So, guys, as we just said, as we were coming on the air, we actually have stuff to talk about, so that's exciting. Uh, in our last show, we were discussing Bateman's injuries, and we didn't have real knowledge of the, of the specifics yet. Uh, I talked about not worrying until we knew more. He wound up needing a groin surgery, but he's been back the last few days running routes. Uh, obviously, the wide receiver room has been um, – Banged up all of camp, and there is a larger worry, conjecture among NFL types that this missed time will prevent the Ravens from building uh, chemistry and an improved passing game. So two-fold question for you. If the Ravens have to lean on their identity as a power rushing team and coupled with the quality defense and special teams in the beginning of the year, I'm good with that. Mike, what about you? Yeah, I'm good with that too. I mean, gosh, if they just are not going to build any chemistry, why why even go out and play, right? Just forget it. Just pack it up, call it a season, and try again next time. <laughs> no, I mean, I, some of that stuff is so overblown. I mean, uh, just when the season gets started, take what defenses give you. We're, running the ball is our bread and butter. Continue to do that. Uh, you know, if, if we're short a couple wide receivers. There's no need to force the ball. You still have Mark Andrews out there. Uh, you, you still are going to have, um, you know, weapons that you can get creative with, uh, whether it's Devin DuVernay, James Prosh is stepping up. And I know he was taken out of practice, I think, with cramps, like uh, about six other guys have been to. But he ought to be out there. And he's made the most of his camp, so maybe he'll be an unsung hero this year. Just you don't have to force anything. You, you, you play to your strengths right off the bat. You, you attack the other team's weaknesses. If that means running the ball down their throat 50 times, great. If that means having to get creative and do some other things, then they'll figure out a way to do it. That's fine, too. Yep, great camp for Pershake. Congrats to him for taking advantage of uh, the opportunity he's had, and we'll, we'll see if he can uh, – uh, he does figure to make the final roster now. We'll see if he can take advantage of that and get involved into the passing game, especially in the early weeks where maybe there'll be more uh, – uh, snaps available to him. Jamie, uh, you'd figure in those first opening weeks, we're going to see Jackson run maybe a little bit more. I think the other thing we said right before uh, at the end of the, the last show was how many carries can we expect Jackson to average during the year? And I think, I think Mike and I both said 12, and we were setting that as the over-under. And maybe the first few weeks, the uh, uh, over on that? What, what do you think there? I mean, I, I think that's a safe bet, um, absolutely, at least an average per game. But I think we can just look back to last year, if you want an example, to of how we can lean on our, our identity. 
because we all were in agreement that the first, you know, really the, the, the first two thirds of the season, that something was a little off. You know, the offense didn't seem quite right, wasn't quite in sync, even though they were winning some ball games. It just wasn't quite where it needed to be. So just took a quick look at some numbers, and I think this can show you that basically the dividing point being, you know, the, the COVID game in Pittsburgh where obviously nobody played, and then when everybody came back. But in the first 11 games of the season, we had 327 carries, averaged 5.3 yards per carry after the COVID game, so the remaining five games. 200 carries for 1,337 yards, 6.68 yards per carry. So kind of flipped the script and said, you know what? Whatever's going on hasn't been working. Let's, you know, let, let's get that third tight end out there. Let's get the motion going. Let, let's let's give Lamar some options. So we've already seen where, you know, I, I like to say our offense, it's like the karate kid. It's like crane technique. If done right, no can defense. And we've seen yeah, that, right. you know, in the regular season over the course of the last couple of years. Yeah, you're going to have an identity, but, uh, you know, you, during the course of a season, uh, you'll go through different things and uh, different adversities. And you'll also identify what your uh, particular strengths are or what's working. Obviously, injuries change things. But, yeah, the whole narrative that you really can't uh, change or improve during the year is kind of – Kind of silly. We we can also think back. Uh, the example you did was, was great there, Jamie. We can also think back to Jackson's rookie year, right? Going right. from Flacco's offense to to Jackson. I mean, that was a night and day uh, uh, change. I mean, yeah, and and uh, snapped off five, what five wins in six games to to win a division title when they were left for dead. You know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, 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 I mean the the biggest thing is. The games count when they start, but you want to be progressing during the year and improving and playing your best ball as the, uh, you know, in the December and in the January. So, uh, and I, I think guess the second part. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Oh, I was going to say, Chris. I, I apologize. I think that the thing that's kind of ludicrous is to, to think that, well, oh, well, the only time that you can build any of this stuff is, is during training camp, or and if it, you know, like. I, I believe you said it in the outline, I guess, well, then what are practices for, <laughs> you know, but if you think about this, I don't believe now, again, I could be dead wrong. This is just one fans, you know, and armchair analyst's opinion. I don't think there was ever any intention to completely overhaul and put in a new system. I mean, it looked, it appeared to me that the team was just looking for more efficiency and efficacy in the passing game. So they bring in T. Martin, they bring in Keith Williams to refine route running, footwork, technique, things like that so you can better maximize opportunities. Then also they've brought in better talent. They've invested in the wide receiver position for the, you know, in, in another draft with bringing in two more draft picks and bringing in Sammy Watkins in free agency. It's not like the Ravens were trying to install some brand new offense and lost all these pieces. I think they're really just trying to refine some things and balance things out a little bit. When those guys get back, the guys that were missing, I, you're going to see some of these, these things come to fruition. And I even think you're seeing with Prochet, particularly in you know taking these steps in training camp, I'm sure that has a lot to do with the, the uh, increased emphasis from T. Martin and Keith Williams of, of these technique things. And it's paying some dividends in the preseason. We'll see how that pans out in the regular season. But again, I a lot of this stuff, um, you know, it's uh, overblown. I think. 
Yeah, Mike, I'm sure you agree. And Jamie was answering the, you know, the second part of the initial question there. I mean, uh, you know, the Ravens, uh, you know, if they get the receivers back those first initial weeks of September and, you know, I would imagine you also buy that uh, the Ravens should be able to build their passing attack during the season. That not all is lost if uh, if the receivers miss the first couple of weeks. No, of course. I mean, I think you can, you can get into a groove anytime in uh, at, at any in any stage of the game. We saw that during what the, the Super Bowl run in twenty twelve, where. I mean, the offense was pretty anemic at some points. Cam Cameron lost his job over some decisions. Uh, Flacco wasn't great with the deep ball. All of a sudden, Jim Caldwell comes in, and you just kind of change up the timing of some of those play calls, and when you call for those deep balls, and you end up having the one of the best postseason runs a quarterback has ever had um, with you know some pretty good receivers and a pretty good quarterback and you have an MVP caliber quarterback back there now, and you have some guys that are pretty talented in the receiving group. You can get, in, you can get into a groove anytime. I don't, I definitely yeah, buy that they have to have chemistry there. in August. We're all aligned there. Sure. It'd be great if they were, uh, they had had all summer to work together and were, uh, had that initial maybe, you know, chemistry working, but it's a long year. They do practice actually during the season. <laughs> they, they should be able to build. You know, the only thing I'll say is if Jackson doesn't have his full complement of receivers out there the first few weeks and the passing game is a little bit slow, I don't want to see a bunch of posts or uh, commentary, you know, across the interwebs of how come they aren't passing? Well, because <laughs> – they're, you know, if they lean on the rushing game and that's what allows them to win, uh, that's what matters. You know, all that matters is getting the W and yep. playing and playing to whatever strengths you particularly have. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah. But uh, moving on from that part, two of the three preseason games are in the books. Uh, let's get to primary thoughts going into uh, game three, Mike. Uh, going into game three, I mean, the thing I'm looking for, they cut Kenji Bahar today. It was the last cut they needed to make to get down to 80 players. Um, so they only have two quarterbacks. So I wonder if that means Lamar Jackson is going to get some preseason action, be it a drive, a quarter. He, he's been out there the first two games in uniform, in pads for warmups. Um, and then when the game starts, he goes and changes back into a street clothes. So I wonder if they're going to go the rest of the way. Um, even though it's the third game, I'm not sure how teams are going to treat the third game because it's only three instead of four. Will they treat it a little bit more like the third game, the old style third game where the starters are going to play a lot more? Are they going to treat it more like the fourth game, the old fourth game where Lamar's not going to play? None of the veterans are going to play. It's going to be Tyler Huntley playing the, the entire game. Uh, but then, you got, of course, Lamar has to be ready because uh, if he goes down, someone else has to play quarterback. Um, but the thing I'm looking for, whether it's Lamar or whether it's Huntley is just to start a little bit faster on offense. Uh, you know, we, like, we don't have our full core of guys and they could be going up against second stringers right off the bat, but, uh, it it does seem like things are a little slow. It's preseason. It's vanilla. I don't want to overblow it, but I just want to maybe see just an opening drive touchdown or an opening drive, go deep into the red zone and kick a field goal. If you got to, that's fine. Um, I just want to see a little bit of a 
you know, more production on the offensive side before we get to the defense's fourth string guys. Jamie, outside of uh, health, what are you looking for uh, game three? Um, well, just and in, in taking a, a brief jump back to game two, it was nice to see at least three-fifths of the starting O-line together, um, even if it was just for, you know, a couple of series. And if uh, if the it, the indication, and again, Harbaugh's kind of alluded to, that, that the projected starting five could be ready to suit up. And I think if that's the intention, I do think we'll see Lamar for, for a little bit because, again, we still have two weeks before the regular season starts, and I don't think they have any more – joint practices after that or anything like that. I believe they'll just be working in-house, so that might really be the only time to see some action. So I really would like to see that. Um, and it'd be nice to see Mark Andrews in uniform on the field too. I, I know it, it's not the end of the world if these guys don't play, but I think it's just one of those things that would – it would just make me feel a little bit better to see a couple of the, the key components just out there run you know in uniform run around make a play or two you know or, or i'm sorry be in for a play or two or a series or two and then and then get out and then let's get to the regular season just to again it, it, that's more for like it's almost like a security blanket type of feeling than it is for you know actual you know future results i guess other than that that not there's not really much else it's you know like you said it's health Jamie, uh, roster bubble time. Take us through their most recent cuts and uh, the most interesting remaining questions, decisions for you. Well, Mike just mentioned the Okanji Bahar getting the axe. Um, of course, you know, LJ Fort's injury made itself evident that, you know, he would he would uh, be removed or put on IR. Um, the uh, – um, Andre Smith cut kind of no big surprise. I mean, we, we've heard all the reports about how badly he was struggling and it speaks to how badly he must have been playing considering our lack of depth at tackle that he couldn't stick, stick around. Um, and then um, the special teamer, you know, Jordan Richards, it's just a luxury you can't afford to have when we have this much, youth and depth, uh, particularly like on the defensive side of the ball, the defensive backs, you're probably going to ask a lot of, you know, special teams performance from those guys. So, you know, all in all, there hasn't really been any anything shocking or surprising. Um, I, I think the next couple of weeks is going to be interesting to see how this third running back spot shakes out. Um, I, I touched on a little bit and what I wrote about the second preseason game, but it really seems like either Nate McCrary or Ty, or Ty Sun Williams is going to, they're going to make a real run at this third running back spot. And I know justice Hill has a lot of, you know, special teams experience and, you know, they like him on special teams and he's been good on third down and you blitz pick up and everything, but I've never felt he's really fit this this system and I really like the kind of one cut get downhill that both McCrary and Williams seem to show so I think that's something where we I wouldn't be surprised to see Hill maybe get cut in favor of one of those guys Mike uh, remaining cuts interesting questions for you yeah, that was definitely going to be one of mine is the the bubble at the running back position. Last year, they did keep four running backs on the 53-man roster. It was Ingram, Dobbins, Edwards, 
and Justice Hill. Uh, so you wonder if this year, could they do the same? If they like Justice Hill as a special teamer, they also like what Tyson Williams has brought to the table, especially after that powerful run he had for a touchdown, uh, uh, keeping his balance and getting a nose to the end zone there in the Carolina game. Pretty impressive run. And McCrary, pretty solid looking too. So, um, you know, you wonder if they're going to do that again, but then that brings other positions into question and other cuts into question because another place is possibly outside linebacker. Uh, Pernell McPhee wouldn't be surprised uh, if he's one of those veteran cuts, uh, if they feel like they like what they have in OA and Hayes, who have both showed pretty well. Justin Houston is a veteran in that room. Uh, you know, Tyus Bowser, obviously, as well, going to be out there quite a bit. So you wonder if that's going to be one of those veteran cuts. Uh, Jalen Ferguson, part of that unit, if they would he clear waivers if they were to try to put him through waivers and keep him on the practice squad. Uh, then the other place I think is secondary. Really like what Geno Stone has brought to the table. Uh, Nigel Warrior gets uh, a lot of play and got play above Sean Wade this week in Carolina. Our Darius Washington, he's a little little guy for a safety, but he's got a nose for the ball. He seems to, a couple times, I think, he's put his helmet right on the ball to force a fumble. Uh, I'm sure they're teaching that. <laughs> That's what uh, the Ravens the last couple of years have been really emphasizing with uh, Marlon Humphrey's ability to punch the ball out. Is, and I think they're really, really teaching that to these guys to, uh, you know, get your helmet on the ball and things like that and force more turnovers. It's, it's hard to fit all these guys in there. So those, those are the three spots. I think the bubble's most interesting is running back, pass rusher, outside linebacker and secondary. Yeah. Mike just ran through a number of names. Uh, so them or somebody else who's standing out to you uh, right now, positively or negatively. Uh, I think um, positively, I think it's the defenders, like I mentioned, uh, Geno Stone picking up two interceptions that first game. The way they're creating turnovers, I think they created six turnovers in game one. Um, Ardarius Washington, undrafted free agent, one of those guys getting a few of those forces. Uh, Tylen Wallace is a wide receiver no one's talking about because it's either about how everybody is out and – uh, you know, what about Miles Boykin? Is his job safe uh, being one of the bubble guys to start camp? No one's really talking about Tylen Wallace, and I was really impressed in the Carolina game. I know he didn't catch that one ball in the end zone. The, the, announcer, the announcing team made it sound like he had to catch it. It was pretty tough. As he was going to the ground, a defender was blank, draped over him. It was tough to haul that one in. I'm not going to fault him for that. But uh, on the out route, I think on that drive before that one, like a 10-yard out, and the ball was up and away from his body, and he went up and got it with his hands. It was really, really an impressive catch. And um, mm -hmm. I, I think he's one of the guys standing out of the wide receivers that we're able to see because uh, we don't get to see many of them. Uh, he, he's standing out. In a negative way, I would say the depth behind the uh, starters on the offensive line has been pretty bad. So uh, we got to hope that our offensive line starters uh, stay pretty healthy for the year. And uh, – you know, hope, hopefully it's not too much of a detriment if we lose somebody for an extended period. Jamie, pick for you, uh, positive or negatively, who's standing up? Um, I, I want to uh, mention Deshaun Elliott, uh, just to, he seems like he has gotten really comfortable, not just his play on the field, but even 
in his interviews and his uh, meetings with the media, like he just seems like he commands the room and there's a certain, there's a confidence there. And then you see in the way he's playing, playing aggressive downhill. I mean, he had some big hits. I think he had a big hit on uh, um, Derek Henry last year in the, uh, or it wasn't on Henry. It was somebody in the Titans game where he jarred that ball loose on third down ended up being an incompletion. You're seeing that, you know, again, he had those two. He was involved in the two big tackles on the goal line stand on the first drive, and the secondary in general. Uh, everybody's just a- aggressive, and, and you like to see that, especially with the way. I think they're going to get burned sometimes, just because of the way Wink plays defense. We do throw a lot of blitzers. We will do some cover zero. We do have some aggressive natured cornerbacks, but I think it's just been nice to see the depth behind the. The, the the depth of quality players behind and I know it's not the same position, but behind Humphrey and Peters, you know you have a couple good safeties and then it looks like you have some young some younger talent that's ready to step up and contribute. On the on the negative side, I'm just the LJ Ford injury is concerning because we are gonna now put a lot on on uh uh Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison. And the depth there, you're talking about, you know, Chris Board, who, you know, special teams ace, definitely gets some snaps on defense, but you're going to ask a lot more of him. And I guess uh, th- that pretty much uh, sews things up for uh, for Christian Welch making the roster, I'd assume. I don't know if this means they – I know Harbaugh said, you know, we, we like our inside linebackers because, of course, he's going to say that. But now does this affect the roster composition? Are they going to play more? And they've hinted about playing more nickel, more dime, where maybe you won't even have an inside linebacker on the field as much as you expected. Maybe that allows you to keep McPhee and Ferguson, Mike, as you mentioned. Or, you know, you see Jimmy Smith playing that hybrid safety linebacker type role in on in third down situations. So I, I don't I mean negative, it's not like specific to the player, but it's a situation that I'm a little concerned about. And of course, the offensive line, but Mike already detailed that, and we've been beating that to death. I suspect that they'll get a uh, another inside backer veteran with a uh, you know a little more size. Just uh, you know, you can play more nickel and dime all you want, but occasionally you're going to face Derrick Henry, and it might be nice to have a <laughs> <laughs> somebody that can tackle him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm. Stanley seems ready to go. That might be the most encouraging news in the last. Uh, yeah, a couple of weeks. Uh, does everything work out on the offensive line with him back as that anchor, Jamie? I mean, I, I've said it a couple of times, so I, I'm going to stick with my – I'm going to stand by my original statement and say, yes, he's the uh, – you know, because if he's in the position where he needs to be and he's healthy and ready to go, then that means, you know, villain away but doesn't have to flip sides or we don't have to try to uh, fill Lamar's blind side. And then everything kind of falls into place after that. It was great to see Zeitler out there. Um, and, you know, Bozeman, uh, I think is going to, going to, uh, quell any center concerns. And then that just leaves us with shoring up left guard. And obviously we're all hopeful for Ben Cleveland, but, you know, with the concussion and the lack of reps, you know, maybe they go, you know, maybe they, they go with a rotation until hopefully he's ready to take over. But, you know, if you're all pro all world left tackles, ready to go, everything else falls into place. Mike, uh, you mentioned there are questions with the offensive line depth, but and Jamie had talked about the lack of uh, you know, attack depth is you know directly there. Uh, but do you feel pretty good about the starters at least being kind of a league average unit? You know, 
uh, 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 how do you feel about that right now? Yeah, I, I definitely feel good about the starters. I, Zeitler fits the kind of scheme we want to run. That was that's pretty evident right out of the gate when we saw him first in Carolina. Um, and then with if Ronnie Stanley comes back, all pro. I, 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 uh, Villanueva doesn't look like he's struggling on the making the transition to the right side to me. Uh, hasn't been an issue. He's played both the preseason games and no issues it looked like on that on that end. I, I think we're even – you get Stanley back in the mix, we're probably a top five offensive line in the league, even if left guard is a question mark to, to start. So pretty happy with where they are. Uh, when it comes to offensive line, the starters. Um, after that, it gets a little dicey. All right, last question for the night. Uh, Mike, we'll start with you. ESPN's most recent power rankings are out. The Ravens are six overall. Kansas City first, Buffalo third, Cleveland seventh, Tennessee ninth, and Pittsburgh 11th. How many teams, Mike, are capable of winning the AFC? Um, yeah, you hit on most of them. I think I'm going to add one to that list. Um, the Dolphins, uh, <laughs> call me crazy. I, I think two is the real deal. I think they, um, you know, got, got something cooking down there. I think they're going to be, uh, kind of under the radar and, and come out and surprise some people also in that division, you know, it depends on what the Patriots do without Tom Brady, uh, still not really. They, they had a big preseason game with Mac Jones and Cam Newton lighting it up, but it's preseason. It was the Eagles, like, pump yeah, the brakes a little week, bit. Well, <laughs> maybe next week we'll make our uh, our uh, picks across the league. That could be fun. Uh, yeah. But, I like, hey, you yeah. like the Dolphins. I kind of like the Chargers, but I don't know if I like them more than any of the yeah. uh, aforementioned yeah. teams. But, but how many – How many? what's your number? How many do you think are capable uh, of winning? Three, four, five. I'll say five. Five teams. Jamie, how about yourself? Winning it. I mean, well, sixteen. I'm just kidding. Um, the, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, no, it's. I, I mean, I think it's going to be the usual suspects. I think it's it's Kansas City. I, I think it's. I think the Ravens are in the. We're in the mix. I think Buffalo's in the mix. And, and you know, Tennessee. Uh, you, you know, you can't can't count them out either. I, with Pittsburgh being that high in the power rankings, I think that's – I'm never going to shovel dirt on Pittsburgh just because of, you know, the the quality of the organization, you know, uh, Mike Tomlin, a, a good head coach, all that stuff. I do find your uh, – Chris, about the Chargers, I do find that intriguing. And obviously we had the seventh playoff team too, and all it takes is a wild card team to get hot. We've seen wild card teams can, you know, make – it's not like years ago where it was – you had to have the bye – you know, in order to to um, you know win win the conference, so it's it's a lot more wide open than it's been, I think, in general. But the AFC is pretty top heavy. I, I'm thinking four. Yeah, I don't believe I don't believe Pittsburgh can win the AFC. I, I believe Pittsburgh can make the playoffs. I don't sure. think they can. Uh, I don't think they can win the conference. Um, Jamie, the team you didn't mention there was the Browns. So would your number be? Uh, you know, I, you know what? I actually, I actually like the Browns a little bit better than the Titans. Truth be told, come to think of it, you're right. I just, I have to get into the mindset that that they seem to be getting things right in Cleveland now. I still think, you know, uh, you're still always waiting for them to brown it up. 
I mean, because that's kind of what they do. And really, last year they they advanced to the you know to the divisional round because let's face it, they caught a Pittsburgh team that probably didn't belong in the playoffs, and you know they rolled them. So they might have gotten a good draw to get that, you know. So I don't know. We'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll see. But I, I think it's four teams. I'm just not quite sure which four outside of the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Bills. Jamie's at four. Mike, I think was at five. I'll say five as well. Five of the top nine ESPN's power rankings. I think that's about right. Uh, I think, yeah, the playoffs could be uh, quite the fight. I think everyone's a little bit closer to the pack than, uh, you know, it seems like most of the prognostications I'm seeing, it's Kansas City and everybody else. But I think everybody's pretty close uh, as we go into the season. Everybody has an argument. We'll see how injuries and uh, how teams progress during the year. Uh, but good thoughts there. Next week we'll get to our picks. Uh, maybe we'll do uh, again. I talked about it last week. Promise next week we'll do it. We'll do uh, some over-unders for the Ravens. That'll be fun. And then we'll uh, get into the Ravens and make our projections as, as we get closer to the uh, uh, kickoff and actual season that, that's arrived. So that'll be fun. So come and join the discussions at the board. Uh winding down the camp talk, getting to regular season talk. We'll have to start uh, discussing on the board. What are the appropriate expectations? What are the win-loss projections? Uh, what are we looking to see here in uh, 21? I feel for most people it feels like Super Bowl or bust. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a fight. But I, I, I certainly with uh, – we talked about it a little bit on the board today. As long as Jackson is under center for the Ravens, I feel like they have a chance. So uh, – Excited about that. Good to hear Jamie and Mike's thoughts. Come and join us. Come and talk. We want to hear from you. Take care.